Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Saturday Morning Serial. It's me, Dan Grimshea. Uh Joining me as always is Mark E. Say I'm hey. here. Hey, hey. Sound off, Johnny Heck. hey Thank you for joining us on the show that celebrates the themes of Saturday Morning TV that not only did we grow up with, but, but they grew, grew up with, with us. Aww. Uh, you, Today's this, show. This is such a such a great day Momentous. to tune into this show. It's huge. Because we've got uh we're pulling out uh an old interview yeah. for a good reason. Never heard thank before. God. Never heard before. We've never had the opportunity. Exclusive. Exclusive. Mm-hmm. Yes. Exclusive audio. Exclusive audio. I was part of that exclusivity. <laughs> Finally I can I can open up and share with the world. Yeah. We have an excuse. We're and just, we're just not going to throw anything out there. No, no. this is it. We're, we're going to make sure it makes sense yeah. for us, for you, Look, for the this, world. This is the equivalent of us unzipping it in public. Yeah. You <laughs> need some good context if you're going to do that. Yeah. It's like you can't just let it all, you can't just whip it out let it all hang out. So anyway, yeah. what are we whipping out? Yeah. What are we taking out of the... Uh, the undershorts of our back catalog. It's a big one. It's Sean Patrick Flannery. That's right. Uh, oh. We're gonna we're gonna talk a whole lot about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the whole reason we feel it's warranted to bring him up. Uh, we had an interview with him some time ago. Uh, it was uh, right after the printing of his book. Mm-hmm. This smug bastard. <laughs> Fucking could do it all. Actor, successful, good looking, good looking, God damn it. and actually, and I read his book. Uh-huh. He's a pretty writer. amazing writer. I, know, I read it too. Yeah, fucking good. We didn't bury the interview out of spite. Um, we just yeah. didn't find it. So yeah, no, we no. Well, just... we're, we're gonna all, we're gonna explain right. what happened. Don't worry about it. But but something this weekend, this week has happened. Right. We're we're petty people. But yeah, not and, in um, this regard. Not in this. Instance. This is yeah. this has been this is like. Something happened this week. Did the stars align? The Marky? stars have aligned, and now we have a, the perfect reason to bring you this thing. Yeah, because tell them about to be it. quite honest with you, it's been slim pickings in the pop culture world. <laughs> yeah, lately. we've had not much to talk about. It's January, <laughs> yeah, and then February, not much going on. Uh-huh. Uh, the biggest like cultural, like pop cultural thing was the Super Bowl, right? Which is notoriously a little difficult for the Comic-Con crowd to totally get into. Mm-hmm. But they also have all the trailers of all the big movies for the year starting to come out. Real even, and not. Even though no movies are actually being released mm-hmm. on Super Bowl weekend. 
Uh, one of them was a, tr- uh, I mean, it was like a trailer. It was like a teaser. It was like a, a teaser. It was a teaser of a teaser. Trailer of a, of a trailer. trailer that actually came out online where it turns out it's just a little less than $5 million. <laughs> <laughs> just to, to get the 30 seconds? Like yeah. a 90-second trailer. <laughs> just for a taste. Uh, yeah. Five yeah. million, $5 million taste. Yeah. 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 Disney, uh, surprisingly, playing it cheap there. They can afford it. But okay. they had a little peek at uh, Solo. Finally. We get our look at the first, ooh, since The Force Awakens, the first big gamble. Yeah. Uh, that Disney is taking by rehashing or going back to Recasting. the original. Yeah. Well, and in this case, they're recasting. The they recasting. haven't had to recast anybody. <gasps> How dare they? So that is a first for the Star Wars world. But yes, there was splashback. Yeah, splashback is very. It's a very polite way to say there was a lot of nerds fucking bitching. Mm-hmm. Twitter about, shitstorm about the recasting of yes. One of the most amazing, spectacular characters in the history of pop culture, Owen Han Solo. Yes. And yes, how dare you go out there and recast Harrison Ford, legend, icon, actor. He's our scoundrel. How how dare dare you? In case his tone isn't conveying it, I want listeners at home to realize that Marquis is using all the facial expressions in his repertoire (laughs) to really sell his sarcasm and almost hate. I'm like, I'm twisting on my mustache. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is ridiculous because we have recasted iconic Harrison Ford inspired characters before. Well, uh, and guess what? Sean Patrick Flannery yeah. is here on this program See, today. But what happened this week? But what happened this week there. is that Solo is recasted and people are some people, not me, not you, not Johnny Heck. I'm good. But well, you haven't checked my Twitter feed, I'm sure, but people, probably not me. Some people are just fucking losing their minds. How dare Disney suck the last drop of blood out of a beloved character <laughs> as Han Solo. Um, and that, right? Well, there's that level. Then there's the doesn't look like him, doesn't sound like him, uh-huh. doesn't act like him, doesn't uh, walk the same way. It's just ridiculous. Well, all right. So put aside that, yes, they're making all these assumptions based on just a few seconds of what they can see in a trailer for a movie that isn't coming out for quite a while. But even even if we accept that this reaction is this big, then surely that means there's something more there's something about the Star Wars license. They've never had some other actor play Luke Skywalker. Right. They've well, I or guess technically they've even, had another actor play. Oh, well, he was an Anakin infant. Skywalker. They had another actor play infant but, Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, old, like, well, he wasn't available. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, well, and 12, the, right? the the closest that they've ever come to this was they had a half CGI, half actress play Carrie Fisher's uh, Princess Leia in Rogue One. And I really, personally, really liked that. Of course, a lot of people thought it was ridiculous, although Carrie Fisher herself liked that performance and liked that 
presentation mm-hmm. of the of the Leia character. Um, but yeah, this is new. This is new territory, and some people just naturally are going to bitch and moan about this. And you know, one of the things that I saw or that I read was, and there's this there's this vein of 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 anger um, of this just a, this accusatory tone that the only reason why that this solo movie is even out is because of money grubbing Disney and how dare they do all this stuff and that they're just kind of tampering with this legend and all this. But well, you know what? Of absolutely is. I understand. If you can say it without judgment. No, I, I get, look, but, but that's but, also uh, but, why a lot of these people were excited when Disney bought it. They but said, this oh, is, they're going to bring us new movies. I know, but this is, this is not a reboot. This is a new story. Now, this is a new story about a character that we all love, and let's see how it comes out. Let's give it a couple of minutes. Give it a chance. Yes, give it a chance. I mean, it's... And these are a lot of the same fans, and, and I also feel like we have no choice but to give it a chance. Well, well we're, but we're going to yeah. see it. It's but coming also, out, and we're all going to watch. it. We're all going to watch it. Well, do you remember so, from what nineteen ninety four to nineteen ninety nine? Zero Star Wars movies, approximately, yep. right? From Return of the Jedi to um, The Phantom Menace. We had nothing. Nothing. And we were screaming. We were so excited that everyone saw The Phantom Menace and convinced ourselves that we loved it for several years until we, well, some of us went back and maybe not so much. But I love it. The, point, yeah. the point is we were desperate for desperate. anything. Now it's, they're doing one per year, and it's like, oh, Disney's cash-grabbing, oh, money-grabbing. I hear this like, about... About franchise fatigue and all I that bullshit, really too. I don't really feel that. I'm starting to enjoy the Star Wars movie a year. Yes, it's awesome. Absolutely. I'm like, it's fine at this point. If I if I still am holding a grudge, then why am I still going to see him every year? Well, back in 1990, I think it was 96. I know, I don't think I was in high school, but... Or it, maybe it was 94. I think it was 96. Are you talking oh, about no, special edition? Okay, that was 96. Okay. Oh, I'm, they then, re-released it. I'm, oh, talking, about, about, I'm yeah. talking about in 1994... This is how much we were hard up for Star Wars content. In like 1994, I think, um, they were re-released on VHS. And they had new packaging where it was just like, I think it was Darth Vader, just the helmet, a Stormtrooper, like and Yoda. Yoda right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember on billboards in Albuquerque, billboards in Albuquerque, there were Star Wars Fucking advertising, and that was the thing. Just the on the VHS right. on the VHS release, because and we I were flocking to it. It had new, maybe yeah. new sound, new THX sound, or new some or kind of new features, yeah. or some new bullshit for us to spend another fifty bucks on something we already owned. Yeah, and they knew enough of us would that they bought billboards. Yes, yeah, they bought billboards yeah, just to it. just to get the word out, and we were so excited yeah. to get it. And it was like, and now we get this. This is the first time, and now people were freaking out because there was no content released, and where's the trailer, where's the trailer, where's the trailer? And, you know, there was just a movie December that people are still bitching about. A month ago. People are still bitching about that one. (laughs) We're talking a month ago there was a movie, and in May, two months from now, there's going to be another movie. This is the first time that two Star Wars movies have been released within a half year of each other. Right, ever. This is a huge moment, and Disney's playing around with the format on how to do it. I think you can't get a better or a bigger 
place than the Super Bowl to to well, expose us the to most this watched yeah. TV program in the world. And also, but instead of exposing it to us there, I just want to reiterate. Teaser they teaser, teased us right. and made us go to their all they their hit controlled it, and then, and then the next day. They hit us again with a double with a double dose. Hit us again with a very distinctly different trailer on Good Morning America the next day. Yeah, it yeah, tasted like Kool Aid. It was awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, Kool Aid, man. <laughs> you know, like like this was this was a great way to kind of hit us all right over the head with this thing. And you know, I saw the trailer. I was excited about it. Johnny Heck, were you excited? Absolutely. about Absolutely. I remember waking up, you know, uh, having your morning constitutional and watching it on my <laughs> phone. It was awesome. But also, Disney is smart where they put the trailers out during their programming. Um, Last Jedi had it during Monday Night Football. Uh-huh. This one was during GMA. So obviously, ABC properties. But they're smart in the way they release it because it's an event. The trailer yeah. is out. It's like, hold on, get ready for the trailer. Tease, tease, tease. Here it is. So they're, they're smart in their in their uh, positioning of this uh, within their own programming. But I, I think some of the backlash. We also have to take a strong look at the behind the scenes production I know. between the directors getting fired. Uh, Ron Howard coming in. Is this in trouble? And why haven't we months seen footage? And months of like room for all of that to grow and to fester in mm-hmm. public opinion, then why did it come so sharply out of the one thing everyone was worried about to begin with, i.e. the recasting of Han Solo? Yeah. That seemed like a different angle. Well, and I think right. it's because we realized for the first time as a group, like, oh, he's not going to do a Han Solo impression. Good. Right. Good. And Good. I said this to Mark So e. that's perhaps the right. line you're well, thinking of. I don't want to see a, I don't want to see a Harrison Ford impression. I don't okay, either. so the people who were expecting Harrison Ford impression and he were doing it, do you think there's any way he could do it well enough where they'd be like, oh, oh, he's got it? I don't want to I think see most it. of these people... Personally, I think most of these people were going to hate it regardless. Yeah. Well, let's, I think so let's too. take, let's I think take so a look. Too. Let's ask ourselves, how did Ewan McGregor do as Obi-Wan Kenobi? Fantastic. Did we look and say, fuck you, you're no Alec Guinness? Yeah. You know, did everyone lose their shit? People are clamoring for a young Obi-Wan yep. movie yep. or uh, middle-aged Obi-Wan, I guess, middle-aged Obi-Wan uh, movie with Ewan McGregor. I would love it. So that was recast, but all of a sudden everyone, their tits are in a twist over this recasting. I mean, I get it. I get it, though. Shay, you're looking at me. I know Han Solo is more of a kind of character than Obi-Wan, than all these guys. Is I he really? It. Maybe. I, 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 I at think At this so. point, at this point, we're talking about... Obi-Wan's been in more years. movies than Well, <laughs> Guinness was in half of the first one and about two minutes in the second two. So yeah, you, but I know. it kind of resonates. Hugh McGregor has far more on-screen time I as agree. Obi-Wan than Alec Guinness. I agree. So, but no one kind of flipped the bitch. And he's, he, he wasn't doing an Alec Guinness impression. He had shades of it. Well, I, I think... Yeah, actually, but also you... I, I don't think that's a fair comparison because... Alec Guinness played it for 28 minutes of screen time or something. And when it comes to Han Solo, he's been Han Solo for 40 years. There's, you can use stuff like Doctor Who or James Bond or something to say, people get over recasting. It doesn't diminish, but 
that's just the, the wheels are turning in those franchises. You know somebody new is going to take over. So after 40 years, if nobody new takes over, you're like, all right, well, uh, I, this I is think... my crystalline, stuck in fucking carbonite Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. Some people are Jabba so the Hutt about this. Some people can't get yeah, out of that. I think some you're people, right. Yeah, are Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, they, like, I caught him in the peak. And I want my, him on my wall. I want Han Solo trophy. on he's my wall my right Han now. Solo. I think you're absolutely right. But what I think is more important about the character is like, maybe you want to be Jabba the Hutt and you want to keep Han Solo in carbonite on your wall as a fucking trophy, and that's fine. But... What's important is that we want more stories of Han Solo. I want to learn more about him. And yes, they can write novels about it that are canon. Uh, they can make comic books, which they have, that are canon. And we're going to read them and we're going to gobble them all up. But I want to be lazy and eat popcorn and drink a soda and put some whiskey in that soda and get drunk and then watch a Han Solo on screen again, telling have me new stories. Watching exactly. a movie. It's, it's I, don't, I want passive passive enjoyment yeah. of this character. And what's important about a, about a Han Solo is not that it acts like Harrison Ford. What's important is that you capture those traits of the Han Solo character. Mm -hmm. Just like Sean Patrick Flannery did with Indiana yes. Jones. And true, we're almost exactly to where that should come up because what did Pablo Hidalgo? Hidalgo. <laughs> yeah. He's turning into like our. He's our muse. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So he, uh, this is a guy in a unique position mm -hmm. He's to combat working at the Lucas internet trolls, yeah. which is castle. a position he is forced into a lot. Uh -huh. What was his forced defense? Into? Yeah, forced he into? sends um, mm -hmm. um, the whole. Yes, I. The whole reason. Okay, so so we've Wait been while sitting. I choke Johnny Heck. <laughs> this is not the analogy you're looking for. <laughs> we've been sitting on this interview for a long time, and again, we'll explain a little bit later in the program of why we've been sitting on it and why. But the reason why it's out right now is because I. I think on two, later Monday afternoon, after the trailers had come out and after all this bullshit controversy came the, out, the bitch brigade yeah, broke out. All of a sudden, Bruja. you know, oh, how dare you? You know, Pablo Hidalgo tweets a picture of Sean Patrick Flannery in, I think it was World War One era um, uh, uh, prisoner f uh, fatigues. Because one of the character arcs in the young Indiana Jones Chronicles is that Indiana Jones serves in World War One and he gets captured by the Germans and he's in a German uh, uh, prison of war camp. And he's and played by Sean John Flannery. Flannery. And he goes, you know, I don't remember the exact tweet. I could look it up, but I'm not. Anyway, but it's basically like, why is everybody getting all excited? This has happened before. And it was great. And it will happen again. And that kind of got us thinking, right? Uh, Johnny Heck and I were talking yesterday about this, and like, I'll, I'll bet you in the '60s when James Bond was 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 recasted, bet you if there was an internet back then, people would have lost their fucking minds. And guess what? We've had many James Bonds. Some of them are better than others, no doubt. But we gave them all a chance, and it's arguable who's best now to some people. And well, everyone gets to pick their, their James Bond, Bond exactly. See, but that and, kind, and that's that's the mentality exactly. And they happens. and they all all these actors put their spin on key 
James Bond characteristics that make them all James Bond. Or there's certain and tropes. There's, there's tropes. Martinis yeah. and, you know, certain shit. Ladies, man. But Being able to handle themselves. It, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Daniel Craig didn't like martinis. Yeah, so he what did you drink in scotch? I don't remember. I think, uh, but, um, I think he had a poison. He had it a, was poison. It was a bunch <laughs> of poison. <laughs> yeah. But funny but enough, RC it was Cola. In a skull. But what ends up RC happening Cola here is an odd choice. What's going to end up happening with the Han Solo character, and it's going to happen again with the Indiana Jones character. Again, it's going to happen again because these characters are beloved. It's not we're not they're not trying to milk every ounce of money out of us. It's that they there's more stories of these characters to tell. There's going to be modern, you know, in quotes, variations of the stories, even the, even if it takes place a long time ago. There's going to be retellings of stories that are going to um, educate us on these characters. And now the actual conversation is going to be who's the next Indiana Jones? Yeah. Who's the next Han Solo? That's going to over just like it's now. Who's who's going to be the next Bond? Is it going to be Edris Elba? That'd be awesome. I don't know. That'd be awesome. I, I vote for that. And, you know, so that's going to be the next I vote for Holly Hunter. Why not a female James Bond? Sure. You know, you can't have a female Han Solo. But you can can't have a yeah. Hashtag. But, you know. But, yeah, you know, the whole, Has, the whole hashtag point Hashtag Marquis unwoke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm losing it. Can't up. have a female Han Solo. Like, like uh, if... If if everybody's upset right now about the recasting of Harrison Ford, it's not even recast it. It's just another casting of Han Solo. It's not a recasting of Harrison Ford. But what yeah. happens they when didn't they fire him? What happens no, when they want to? He can't do it. He can't. He cannot act in this for this particular. Eighteen years old was he going to fall? Wear a fucking do. wig. And so, I mean, what's going to happen to this pop culture when? There's going to be a story to tell about Leia Organa. Do we just not tell it? Do do we just not have a movie of Princess Leia when she's in, when she's 25? Although actually we saw that that was Star Wars um, when she's 16. <laughs> yeah. You know, or what? Or what about in the Star middle Wars. there? You know, I think she was 18 in A New Hope. I think so. Yeah, and, you know, um, and, and it, Mark, it speaks to the point, guys, of the show. We say our mantra is about uh, the Saturday morning that grew up with us. Yeah. So and that we Han grew up Solo grew up with us. Yeah. He grew up with us, yeah. but now it's somewhat different. Yeah. How dare you steal our childhood? <laughs> he doesn't even look like think, if he doesn't. I mean, but I'll I get why people. I'm sorry. Yeah. I get why people yeah. are stuck on it. They love it. It's familiar. I love Harrison Ford too, but he can't do this role. And like we talked about in pre-show. Mm. If they did Force Awakens with a new guy, uh, dude, I'll different. join you. I'll be pissed. Yeah. Fuck that. Yep. But you, he can't play himself when he's younger. Yeah. yeah. Well, also, like, you know, I and he doesn't I, want I, I do get take I, – I understand being a little bothered by a recasting. Like, there's something that takes you out of the moment a little bit. Like, let's go back to the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy um, when they – Oh. When they recasted the Rachel Dawes character from Batman Begins to The Dark Knight, I am, until you get into one of the greatest movies of all time, A Dark Knight, like there is a little bit of that. I'm kind of out of it just a little bit because it's a different Rachel Dawes. You know, like if you look at the trilogy of movies, that character is played by a different actor, so it kind of takes you out of it a little bit. So, yes, recasting Harrison Ford in the final 
new trilogy of Star Wars would take me out of it a little bit, Absolutely. and I would have a problem with it. Sure. Absolutely. But this is a new story, and we're going to have to allow other actors to bring their persona into it. You know, this does not belong to Harrison Ford. It does not. Han Solo belongs to all of us, and we deserve more stories. It's of just Han Solo. that he has he has been driving the Han Solo bus because he should nonstop. He's awesome. So yeah. this is just the first time. But now, do you guys it'll remember? It'll get easier. I but think. there's but. been other solos. Do you guys remember the Star Wars radio dramas? Yeah, yeah. There, there was another actor, but that only played because them. you. Actually, like bought them on CD, and yeah. I got to listen to some of them. Most of the people listening know they yeah. don't. Han Solo is, and you know, maybe the next time Han Solo actually appeared in a, like as Harrison Ford appeared mm-hmm. as Han Solo, those radio fans might have said, "That's not my Han Solo." You, but again, you so. without Twitter, without social media, then impossible to make a real crater without like a write-in campaign. So. But my, there but, you go, and um, we'll never know the truth. But this does bring us back to Sean Patrick Flannery, yeah, who I got to speak with again. Old interview that it's it is one of my favorite conversations yeah. ever. Because even though I hate this guy, because he ended up being not only a, a totally charming interview, which not all celebrities are, yeah, or have the need to be. And he's awesome, though. But he is great. And so cool. he's, like, I read his book, and I was, did not take it seriously for the first, like, two chapters. I, I remember this I interview. Even though I was getting and by the end, I was like, holy shit, this guy's actually a great writer, yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, so I got to talk with him, and it just went on and on. Great interview. Like mm-hmm. I said, we're pulling it out of the vault because, listen, you recast somebody – Trust them with that role like he did with the young Indiana Jones. Boondock Saints, my God. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> we didn't even Boondock talk about Saints. that yet. Oh, no. We were just one of Indiana Jones, it. Boondock Saints, so, he's a writer. Let's, so, let's do this. So, yeah, uh, Magic Interview Machine, take us way back to when I got to talk with Sean Patrick Flannery. This is, uh, this is for internet radio, so you can swear all you like. That's not a problem. So it's uh, it's pre-taped, so we can even ramble if need be. Not to worry. Uh, I might get around to editing it before it hits. Uh, And that's about all the rules there are, as long as you're okay with that. I'm good, man. All right, perfect. Well, I'll just kick this off and say, uh, hey, everybody, thanks for joining us. We are, as a special treat, especially for me, I think, we're talking to Sean Patrick Flannery, uh, Lithuanian, I'm guessing. Lithuania. Yeah, I brought a bunch of uh, amber with me, with insects <laughs> collected inside. Uh, about, about, as, about as Irish as you can get, straight from Texas. Of course, you know you, you know his name because you've seen him in I think some of some pretty culturally important uh, projects like Indian, the Young Indiana Jones, um, uh, Powder, and of course everybody is going to remember you from Boondock Saints. And I do want to talk about uh, a little bit about all that. But first I want to ask, where do you find the nerve to be a giant star like that and then decide you have any right to write a really good novel? <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, b- before even digging into to how much seriousness there is in that in that statement i'll say that you know when i when i ventured along this road 
you know, to write a book, I kind of knew going in that it was going to be met with a bunch of eye rolls, you know, an actor writes a book. And, and I understand that, uh, you know, most authors are very, very, very possessive of that title. So, uh, you know, I, I'm reluctant to even use that moniker, you know, after my name. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it, it is a very, you know, kind of highbrow uh, private club that I'm not sure that door is ever going to be held open wide for me. <laughs> but, uh, I you know, in answer to your question, man, I actually moved out to L.A. to be a writer. I wrote a piece of children's theater, and uh, then uh, an agent asked if she could submit me onto commercials, and then it turned into theatrical representation. And next thing you know, I was on a plane to uh, London to do Young Indiana Jones, so the writing kind of took a backseat. So uh, I, I, my, my, my first uh, goal was uh, write screenplays. And I, and I thought that was, uh, you know, I kind of thought that was doable because I'm not a big fan of, uh, of, of endeavors that are subjective. You know, I'm not a big fan of, of attempting to do something where you're going to be judged by, by a handful of people. I like things that are objective. Like if, for example, if I will, if I had to go to the Olympics, I would much rather be a sprinter than a diver. You know, mm. the divers, they're, they're judged by a panel of people. And I think every person watching the TV, it's, it's very rare that the person watching knows absolutely who won. You know, you're, we're, we're waiting for the scorecard to come out just as much as anybody else. If it was so obvious, I think most of the viewers would go, oh, okay, Mary Lou Redden crushed that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, but it's always, there's a, an element of subjectivity to it. And that's kind of the way that I, I looked at, uh, you know, packing up my things and moving out to LA to become a, an actor as being. So I, but, but I thought... I thought, you know, so much more was in my control as far as writing because I could save up my m- own money waiting tables and produce my own play and make a name for myself, you know, and I could continue to fund that through waiting tables, even even on a small scale. At least I could be a, a theater playwright, you know, so. So that was so that was a long, long answer to a to a short kind of a question statement. But, no, that's a it's a it's a really good answer, though, because, I mean, yeah, I, I understand, you know, the distinction there. And you say you've got an aversion to it, but now you are you are waist deep in an industry that is built on that judgment and validation. So, so is yeah, that is no, it just no. finally you feel like thick skinned enough that you said, "Oh, I've got this book, and now I've got to get it out." You know, I, 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 you know, I'd like to tell you that I was just really, really brave and did it anyway. But the truth is, uh, I started writing again. Well, through the years, I've written for a number of periodicals. You know, I've always been asked to write for magazines, and I've I was happily and you know very flattered to be offered. And I've, I've, I wrote a piece for Details, I believe, that Jane Pratt, the editor of Jane Magazine, had read. And so she contacted me and asked me to write something for a magazine. I, you know, had no idea what I could possibly lend to Jane Magazine. But uh, and she she offered up. She said, "Why don't you write about your first kiss?" That was very serendipitous. So I thought, what are the odds? That a girl named Jane asked me to write <laughs> a piece for Jane Magazine about my first kiss. I said, it's crazy, but the first girl I ever fell in love with, her name was Jane. I said, you know, since you asked, and it, it, even in the back of my mind, it had been a story that I'd wanted to write for many years. And I said, you know, obviously this is, you know, the stars are trying to tell me something. So I, so I wrote the short story. And uh, a, a number of people came out of the woodwork to try and procure the rights to it. So you know, I was a little bit flattered, and I thought maybe I'm on to something, you know. But I politely declined because I knew that that was, I'm, I'm speaking of possessives. I was pretty possessive with that story. So I knew I wanted to write it on my own. And I said, you know, I'm going to turn it into a screenplay and I'll approach you guys in the order in which you approached me. And so I did, I went to the first company and they set it up immediately. 
again, very flattered because I know how difficult it is to get a film off the ground. And then, uh, you know, things have progressed. But then, then it, it, it was it was evident that they that it wasn't slated at the beginning of their list, and they probably wanted to extend their rights to have it made. I, I actually wanted to get the film made. I didn't just want to keep selling periods to for the rights. Uh, so I so I took back the rights and. Uh, I just sat on it for about nine years, and then two years ago, I decided. Uh, well, we went back a little bit more than that. Uh, about about four or five years ago, I started writing content for a blog for my for my martial arts academy. For those of you, for those that don't know, I, I have a martial arts academy. Martial arts has been a huge part of my life since I was about nine years old. Jiu-Jitsu champion, ago, everybody. Well, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I'll ring the bell know, I, for I, you. I, yeah, well, thank you, man. Thank you, man. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a huge part of my life, and so I, I, I've had Hollywood Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for about 14 years now, and I started a, a blog website to put content for, you know, on health, fitness, longevity, anti-bullying, self-defense, that kind of stuff, and it really... And so naturally, really, a little coming of age in Texas just uh, sprouted right out of that. No, I still don't see how that... <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. And I started, to, you know, I started making, make, uh, writing little pieces like that, and it, and, it, and it started to catch on, like more, more than I would have anticipated. You know, so much so that you know, Yahoo and Google wanted to run ads on it and stuff like that. So then I started to write more personal stories about, uh, you know, just work ethic and, and and integrity and character because that that's that's a, those are primal tenets of martial arts. And oh, yeah, now I'm starting start to see writing, the, the links coming. Okay. Yeah. Then it got closer to the bone with, uh, you know, the source of all that, which was my dad and my granddad. So I wrote those stories, and it became so popular that I, I stopped that blog and I changed it to a personal blog called ShineUntilTomorrow.com. It really it was the fan base of that blog that gave me the confidence to say, man, you know, I'm going to write this in long form. And so I did. It was the confidence of writing that blog and and having so many readers uh, – you know, you know, you know, express love for, for, for the content that I took two years off and I decided I was going to do it, you know, to the best of my ability. So I, I spent about a year writing the manuscript and then, uh, and then, uh, the rest is history. All right. Well, see, I'm, I'm, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad I got that kind of backstory because my next question was going to be how, how true is this? Because I know you grew up at the time and the place this book is set. And now I've already found out your first love was named Jane. Oh, and by the way, everybody, we're talking about Sean's new novel, Jane 2. Not a sequel. The number two has a different significance. You'll have to read the book to find out more. But but I was wondering, okay, did did he actually have, you know, uh, an old southern sheriff, grandpappy, teaching, giving him the Bodine recipe for life? I mean, how much of it is embellished? How much is real? And starting to sound like every word's real. Well, you know, I'll tell you this. You know, my, my granddaddy, Granddaddy Charlie, he was the deputy sheriff of Lake Charles. Uh, you know, and that's that's true. It's it, you know, it, it's funny. Somebody far smarter than I had a great quote that I really liked, and and and, and, and he said, "I think there's a little autobiography in everybody's fiction," and I think that's true. But what, what, I'll, what I'll tell you is, I find that if you set out to write an autobiography, as soon as you understand that you're going to expose yourself naked to people, you're reluctant to stand with perfect posture. Mm. Uh, I think if you coat it in a veil of 
fiction or novel, I think it allows you to tell the absolute truth because you can hide behind that veil of, eh, you know, they won't know if it's true or not. Well, also, I think it helps the audience because the audience can then feel like, all right, I'm going to be this character in my head while I read it instead of say, oh, this is what happened to so-and-so. Yeah, so, you know, there's certainly a lot of truth in it, absolutely, things that directly parallel my life. Um, And then there's elements where I combine two people to make one character. Um, You know, uh, uh, for example, in, in the book, my dad takes a back seat, but... That's only because my dad and my granddaddy were pretty dang close together. You know, my, my granddaddy used to say, you know, your daddy came from my balls and you came from his. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's pretty, that's, that's pretty accurate, you know, but in having two identical characters, I kind of bottled it all up into granddaddy. Um, you know, so, so there's elements, elements of, you know, artistic license, but, uh, you know, I'll let the reader, you know, determine on his own what, uh, what's accurate and not, but it, it, it comes from, it comes from things that I know to be true, you know. Well, there's a lot of truth that rings out in that because I'm, I I grew up like a lot of American kids uh, with so many similar experiences there. A lot of the same social kind of ideas and struggles, uh, even if it was separated by you know 800 miles and 10 years or something. So much of that still spoke to me. And then there are these characters oh, well, right. that you. Cool. You weave like in your narrative. I mean, there is one character in particular, and I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm gonna avoid spoiling, but I will say that it took a lot of the book for 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 me to really start rooting for this character. For me to say, all right, I'm I'm in this character's his house now. Uh, now I'm really excited to see what happens. And the very next page, you kill them off, and it was. I just had this image of you like kind of tenting your fingers and chuckling, like playing God and thinking. I at least hope that's that's fiction. That's that kind of hurt too much for me to be like, okay, that's an autobiographical autobiographical moment. And I mean, it was there. There's so many touches to that that take me back to either something I experienced or a story someone close to me had told me when I was growing up. That I said, this can't just all come out of his head. He experienced this moment the same way I experienced it, even if my context was a little different. Yeah, you, you, you know, you know, I, I, you know, in my in my older now age, I've come to realize that you know what, what holds most people back from taking a chance is that they think they're the only one, and almost universally, that's not true. And even on a, a you know, I'm speaking from a love level, but even from a writing level, and you know, somebody might think, well, I'm not going to tell that story because it's only unique to me. Nobody will relate to it. You know, people are very similar. You know, people have similar threads throughout cultures, nations, much less next-door neighbors. You know, so it's uh, – it's uh, I'm not surprised that there's a lot of, you know, uh, people out there that, that kind of have a similar experience. Certainly, it's – it's it's you know, it's the same same time whenever you watch uh, – I, I don't know. It's why some shows are universally popular because there's a, a current era of thought that seeps from the opening credits to the, to the payout. Yeah, there's there's some things that do it, and that and 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 like you said, some of it may be just me interpreting it the way I want to, and saying this is to me, you know, this is this is how I take the story, and you leave that that much room, that kind of margin, 
in fact, on that note, I want to ask you something. And everyone listening, if you hadn't read the book, this is too esoteric. It's not going to spoil anything. But but I I got to ask you since I don't have a chance to talk to authors of books that I like. So sure, sure. there is there is a a, a short exchange about two thirds of the way through the book uh, between Kevin and Mickey, and Kevin is in uh, Lilith's bedroom, and he tells Mickey he should talk to her, and I think Kevin was referring to Lilith, whereas Mickey immediately, as most as 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 he is wont to do with a lot of things in his life, immediately thinks, oh, he's talking about Jane. Am I right? Was he talking about Lilith? You're a hundred percent accurate. Ooh, all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and and I think uh, you know, I think a lot of kids have those conversations where you're not really sure. You know, you you you, you we have such a uh, such a myopic viewpoint of our life. It's every, everything is is how it relates to you. It, it's 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 outside of your grasp to think there could be. You know, if, if anything is remotely close to you, take it as as, as your own and. Yeah, I was very, I was very literal as a kid. I mean, incredibly literal as a kid. I, I remember my uh, the first time I saw you know one of the big redwood trees. My dad said, "You know, they're so big you could drive a car through." And I thought, "What? What does the size have to do with the fact that you can't drive through a tree?" <laughs> I mean, it was, it was years that I thought, "Why does my dad think you can drive through a tree? That's a magic <laughs> tree, you know." It's a, <laughs> I mean, gotta, it's, Dad's uh, got to see a doctor. Yeah, you know. So uh, you know, I, I I don't think that's I don't think that's unique to me. I think I think it's it, it's easy for kids to you know not understand, and certainly that makes me be a bit more specific. My kids, you know, because I understand from that perspective how things can be taken out of context. Yeah, and it's and it's got to be hard. The uh, the the life lessons that uh, that that Granddaddy Charlie is giving you. I mean, they are. They are difficult for a literal-minded person to take, I think. But somehow he expresses it well, and I love the the, the Cajun accent coming through and the spelling. It, I mean, I it, I don't know if you're still planning on making this into a film or not, but I can just see those scenes, and I can just see how they're lit with that kind of low Texas light. Uh, I, well, I appreciate right. it. It, it. It's definitely a goal of mine. It's definitely a goal of mine. You know. For, for the one, the one character that seemed to, you know, cut right to the core, and I think it, 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 it's just his direct way of speaking. You know, although the lessons are fairly advanced, I, I was ready for those lessons. Um, and in putting them in a book, you know, it's just, you know, it, 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 these are a lot of the things that I think are important for my kids. You know, and should anything happen to me, not, not that that's the purpose of the book, but I feel comfortable, you know, saying, you know, these are a lot of the things that, I hope to teach you one day, you know, um, and, uh, you know, they resonated so much in my life that I've never forgotten, you know, so. Hey, and it, uh, you've had, you've had what looks on paper to be a very successful professional career. I, I take it you've found your mythical creature. Uh, if, if these are lessons that you learned that you applied and I think you would be in the spot to, uh, teach them. So, when I'm raising my kids, I'm just going to give them a copy of Jane 2 and make it easier for myself, and I want to thank you for doing that. Well, I, I, I appreciate it. I, 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 you know, I, 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 can, I can tell you, you know, I'm proud of the book. I am proud of the book. And, and, and I wasn't joking in the beginning whenever I said, you know, I expect to be skewered by, you know, some reviewers. I, it's certainly, 
you know, it, it, it is, uh, you know, a lot of people I think will, will meet this with, with, you know, the audacity of, write, of writing a book, uh, you know, but because it's something I'm not classically trained in. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's a secret that's not really told that I did move out to LA to be a writer. Um, it's something that I, that I take very seriously and I, and I hope to execute to the best of my ability. Um, but you know, with films, there's a uh, hundred people to blame if it goes wrong. So the yeah, book you can really one, spread it so. out. Yeah, you know, you can. With, with a book, there's only one, so it's a whole, whole different level of exposure, you know. And it's it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit exciting, a little bit scary, it's a little bit uh, all those things, you know. Like 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 you know, movies go to movies go to a certain level, but you know, this one goes to eleven. <laughs> I mean, it's a, <laughs> It just, it just goes a little bit higher, you know. Well, I I will I will say this to you uh, totally seriously. Uh, I'm not trying to be smarmy or just some kind of a radio host. I read the entire book. Even if I hadn't, I would probably lie to you and say that I had, and then I'd just move on and talk about powder. <laughs> but I read the entire book, and I didn't think I was going to have time to. I just it sucked me in. I did go into it with a little skepticism, and I think it, it's totally true that. It is better if you're going to read a book that you know nothing about the author than you know anything about them not being an author. That's just kind of an unfair yeah. burden. So I, I had a little skepticism. I said, I'm sure I'll shake it. I'm going to give them a fair shot. I was supremely impressed. Yes, I don't well, know I that you really belong to any kind of genre or something in your films anyway. So it's not like I was going to say, all right, this is just going to be – you know, uh, some fan fiction about uh, about the McManus brothers or something. It was it's something wholly of itself and very personal. And I was surprised how much I could relate to it. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I'm flattered. And you know, I mean, it, 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 someone reads, you know, all 300 or however many pages, it's it's I'm impressed. You know, it's kind of probably a horrible business model that I finally decided to write a book when people no longer read books. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know. It's, well, uh, it limits your exposure at least. So that's that's good. It's defensive yeah. <laughs> move. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I, well, I appreciate then, you taking the time to read. I really do. No, well, I uh, I want to thank you because I know it's not easy to put yourself out there. Like you said, uh, you show up in a movie, and you're only going to shoulder some of the blame. But you write a book, yeah, and, yeah. and nobody likes it. That is a lonely world. So not to worry. Yeah. I'm in it. Uh, and and someday, I'm gonna go home and climb my flagpole. And you've helped you've helped maybe for me to 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 think that. And once you read the book, you'll know what I'm talking about. Well, I appreciate it, brother. I really do. All right. And also, before I let you go, I have got to talk to you a little bit about the movies. About, of course. About the other bread and butter. Um, I mean, I it, there was a I when I grew up. Uh, uh, Movies in the late 80s and through the 90s, I was all about – I mean, I was a big cinephile. And yeah. I, there was a certain brief period, I think, in the in the mid to late 90s, and I don't even know if anyone ever came up for a name for it, but there was this, this mini uh, genre of films that they were like about ordinary people with kind of they, – they may or may not have extraordinary gifts and – and they change everything around them, and it may be like I want to say Edward Scissorhands maybe started it, but then you you know stuff like Phenomenon or K Pax. Yeah, but yeah. I think yeah. the crowning one, the one that I still get excited to see if it if I ever catch it on TV, it's it's Powder. 
and you you were powder i mean you you kind of embodied the idea that when they were making movies to try and make everybody cry well man you know i'm i'm incredibly proud of that film you know when people ask me what what's my favorite film that i've done first of all I'll ask them what's what's the criteria for determining is it how much fun i have on the day or is it uh, what i'm proud what i'm most proud of for the final product and the final product is always powder and it's by a comfortable margin to me those roles are why you get in the business. You know, a role like that is, it's so perfectly written to me, in my opinion. It, it's, it's, it, it's some of the easiest stuff to do because it's all on the page. And, uh, you know, it, it's an honor to have ever had the opportunity to, to, to play a role like that. And again, that's, you know, that, those, are, those are movies that one day you'll be able to, I'll be able to hand my kids and say, you know, Daddy did this one time. You know, at one point in my life, I did this. You know, and I'm, 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 I'm really proud of it. And I think, you know, your goal as an artist of any kind is to career with the most amount of things that you can hand off to people whose opinions you respect and, and you love and say, this is what I did, you know? And, and I can honestly say that I have a, more than a handful of things that I hope those people will never see. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know? Occasionally you get one or two or three or hopefully five or so, six, ten, that you can say, Hey, you know, this is what I did, you know, and and I uh I'm really proud of that film, man. I really am. Powder's one of them. It touched if you were growing up in that time period at all, that touched you. You know. That's that's if I ever have to describe you to someone on the street, uh, when I'm bragging about uh talking to you over the phone here. It's. Uh, I know I could just cut right to the chase and say he played Powder, and everyone would be like, "Oh, I love that movie." It's just <laughs> one of those touchstones, and it was so. And and you killed it, despite having to be you know basically shaved, completely bald, head to toe, powdered white, and given relatively very little dialogue, and you still managed to propel that character to, you know, that small reserve space in our in our culture's memory that we're never going to shake. And it's not the only time you've done it either. You Maybe it was a little easier for us to see you, but much harder for you to get on board when you played the young Indiana Jones. I mean, that's that was already a, a an American film icon. And so yeah, I said I mean, to you, that, hey, why don't you be him? What's that like? Yeah, you know what? It's, it's, it's unlike anything. I, I, I did the whole series convinced that I was going to be fired the next day. I, I mean, I, 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 when I got off the plane, the call sheet lists names of like Vanessa Redgrave, Christopher Lee, Elizabeth Hurley, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and then Sean Patrick. Who? You know, it was kind of <laughs> it, it was a, it was a shock. But but in all honesty, Young Indiana Jones opened up every door that's open to me today. I mean, if that never happened, we wouldn't be speaking on the phone. There'd be no powder. There'd be no, you know, it's, it's, uh, that was a, a huge, huge opportunity for me. And, and again, you know, that whole series, I'm proud to hand that off to anybody that I love, adore, and whose opinion I respect. Unfortunately, including my mom, who I counted nine times, there's only 14 people that saw it. But, <laughs> but, um, I saw know, it. It's a, well, I appreciate that. You know, it's, uh, it's, I, I wish more people had seen it, but, uh, it's it really I mean, great. Getting, getting roles like that are a gift. They really are. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's one that when when I heard that it was coming out, and I even watched it, despite the fact that I think one of the biggest thoughts in my head every time the young Indiana Jones would come up, I thought, I can't believe some kid out there thinks he's got 
he's got the stones to play young Indiana Jones. I barely accepted River Phoenix in, in that 15-minute yeah. bit. And then I think I honestly had a little bit of hatred for you, and I apologize now. <laughs> or I've at least transmuted well, it into you being able to write a, a, an actual novel as well. But the point being that, I, I mean, that you that, – that I can't describe to you how important culturally that – that would be to to me to everybody, and I'm sure it was to you as well. But I mean, you've actually huge. climbed that mountain. Well, it was huge, and also, you know, when, when you know, occasionally people, I meet people, and they'll say, "Hey, you know, they're doing a new Indiana Jones movie. Uh, don't you want to be in it?" And my my real honest, with when it's just me in a room by myself, my real answer is, for selfish reasons, as an actor, yes, but as a fan. I want another Indiana Jones with Harrison Ford. That's what I want as a fan. Uh. That's what I want. I, I mean, I, I it, 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 the opening 30 minutes of Raiders changed my life. It absolutely changed. I've never seen cinema that felt like the chair was moving before I watched that. So, you know, really, if I'm completely selfish just as a fan, that's what I want. I want to see Harrison Ford. It's, it's, uh, I mean, he's Indiana Jones. That's, uh, I, you know, I, I it, think you're it, right. And I too. felt the same way with the TV show. Well, he wouldn't have been able to to play your role. You you were all you got it all over Harrison Ford when it comes to the young Indiana Jones. There. Well, yeah, he I know would have stood out a bit too much age. for me. <laughs> yeah, I I mean I understand the age thing, but I mean, you know you know step into the shoes of an iconic character like that, and and to me, in my opinion, Harrison Ford is just about the last. Real old school movie star that we have. Um, you know, we have celebrities now, and and certainly there's people that make just as much money and have opening weekends. But he he was a he was of the Cary Grant of the you know, you know he was of, of that level of movie star. He was just an icon. It was just, uh, just yeah, a different it, level. So it was you know it was something that uh, I took very seriously and I to be honest I'm scared shitless of stepping into those shoes <laughs> that's what and that's what I can imagine I mean as as jealous of you as I was you know when that show was coming out I also thought well thank god I don't actually have to do this in front of people yeah now, man, now it's now man. it's this jerk's problem <laughs> I had a good time though man I rode a horse to lunch that's that sums it all up <laughs> No, one hour good. lunch, and I'd ride a horse to the to the catering tent. <laughs> well, my my producer Marky, e, who wanted to uh, to join us for this, but uh, but he couldn't get down from Sacramento. He absolutely loves the Young Indiana Jones. Chron he he had them on VHS, he has them DVD. I'm sure he has them digitally now if they put them out. And he would kill me if I didn't bring it up. So thanks for being a good sport and talking about it. Of course, of course, the highlight of my life. And now, moving from the seriously underappreciated Indiana Jones, I've also got to talk about the surprisingly uh, uh, well beyond what anyone thought it could do, cult favorite appreciated Boondock Saints. A movie so crazy, just the story of the movie itself is as good as the movie. And it's, a, it's another <laughs> yeah, one of these roles that you're going to be known for forever. Yeah, you know, you know, it's it's you you can only hope to ever be a part of a cult hit. And when people ask me, you know, did you know it was going to be a cult hit? There's no recipe for cult hit. Cult hit is 
that's defined by the viewer. It's the viewer that takes an ownership and hands it to their best friend and says, hey, you have to watch this. And there's no stronger, more powerful endorsement than that. So it's not something that you can control. You know, no marketing campaign can make your best friend go, hey, check this out, watch this. And that's kind of what happened in a, in a very organic, grassroots fashion. It's, you know, and, and it's rare that I can say that even if I wouldn't edit, I would love that movie. And that's true. I would. I would love that movie anyway. So, you know, it's, it's, again, it's another monument on my timeline, you know, professionally. And, you know, I'm proud to have ever been a part of something like that. Yeah, and, and it and it did for something that was uh, almost tried to be blacklisted by Hollywood. So I'm, I'm, if I remember back around the MySpace age when social media first became something where you could describe yourself, I am pretty sure every single person who started a MySpace page put uh, Boondock Saints as their favorite movie. I think I saw it there. It might have come standard with the site. I don't remember. But there was a period when that was the defining movie. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I mean, I get. Uh, it's, it's definitely what I'm most known for. You know, I think it's the second most popular poster in dorm rooms, which is. <laughs> that I mean, it, about it, right. That, that, that's probably that's a great trophy to have. You know, the second most popular, <laughs> and I think Scarface is number one. Boondock Saints is number two. It's just an interesting. Oh, that means you knocked off Farrah Fawcett. Nice work. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's uh, that, that's a that's a cool accolade, you know. Yeah, it really is, and that's uh, and that, and of course, everyone listening to this knows that that's that's a, that and and the uh, and the recent sequel, so much demand. He actually, you got a sequel ten years later, which is rare enough. Uh, uh, and you have the same cast, the same feel, uh, to make it. I I I don't know if there's going to be another one. I've never heard a rumor of a third. Uh, Boondock Saints movie. If there is, this would be a great time to drop it. Uh, well, there's there's definitely a rumor, and it's uh, probably more true than not. Ooh. Um, there is a script out there. I know Sony's uh, was really pressing hard to get it done, and uh, I think I think it's you know high priority on everybody's list. So, uh, well, can we get you and Norman back? Well, I, I don't think it would happen any other way. So that's uh, right. Good. You know, I wouldn't watch it any yeah. other way. You guys, uh, no, great, I'm, great chemistry in that. Um, do you, were, were you friends like beforehand? Coaches, right? It seemed like you guys had kind of grown up. You just had this silent shorthand with each other. Yeah, he, he was a friend of mine before Boondock One. So when oh, both okay. got roles, it was kind of it was kind of crazy that we got to go to Toronto and Boston and make a movie together. So. He's been a dear, dear friend for eons. I, you know, I'm, we're still really close. So uh, it's it's definitely something that we'd both be excited to do again. Good, good. We like hearing that because I don't like the idea of this walking dead going to his head or anything. But from what I've seen in interviews, he still seems like a <laughs> humble guy who who would appreciate a chance to bring us that magic back again with the Boondock Saints. Yeah, you know, and I, and I can honestly tell you that uh, I've never seen this level of success come to somebody without it affecting them in some way on some level a negative tinge but that dude's different man he and maybe it's because we've been knocking around hollywood for so many years you know but i mean he's the biggest guy on television it's the biggest show on television and he's the biggest star on the biggest show on television and i'm telling you he hasn't changed at all he's not that drinking dude, his own kool-aid he's not flaking he, on barbecues not, or anything man. 
He's not, man. He's the same dude. He is. He's the same dude, and it's great to see. See, I love to hear that. I love to hear that, and I and I think I think everybody would too, because that's kind of how everybody. If everybody who knows him just as Daryl on The Walking Dead, that's how they would expect Daryl to be. So to find yeah, out that yeah. he's not played by someone who has just washed his hands of reality and then gets on a helicopter at the end of the of the shoot. That's that just is going to make his popularity and his character's legendary status go even higher. So, no, nope, he gets on his motorcycle, puts his helmet on that has stickers on it, <laughs> and drives, <laughs> drives on a dirt bike back to his house. Man, that's the dude I'm telling you, man. And I I couldn't be more proud of that cat, man. He deserves every every ounce of that success. That's no, nope, I can't, I can't, I certainly can't begrudge him that. Uh, you're you're not exactly unsuccessful yourself, so I'm going to take what you're saying with a grain of salt. No offense. Well, maybe you don't know how people change, Mickey. All right, <laughs> I, I started to take that that's too far. <laughs> that, no, that's that, that, that's true, man. That's true. But no, it's uh, it's great uh, that uh, when, when I get to talk to people and they really seem genuine, that is. But by the end of the interview, I say, well, they're, they're either he, he's very nice or he's such a good actor that he can turn it on just in, in nothing interviews. But I kind of feel like there's nowhere for you to hide after I wrote after I read that book where I kind of feel like I we did share enough of our childhood just because you shared these slices from yours, which and I guess that's what makes it such a good book. The fact that I was reading it looking for myself in the pages. So it, that's another well, skill. It's it. another fallback. I appreciate it. You know, I, I, think it, I think it has to do with loving your job, you know. I, uh, I, I love acting. I love being employed in this industry, and I love writing. So to talk to somebody on, on the phone about both of the things that you're passionate about, I, I, I love it, man. You know, there's, there's no place to hide behind love. You know, it's, it's, it's translucent. Hmm. That's good. I don't even think you used that line in the book. You should have. Is it too late to sneak it in there? <laughs> Further editions? Yeah, the, 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 the second copy. The second copy. I'll put it in there. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to thank you for, for, uh, for letting us uh, take up so much of your day today. Uh, I also want to thank you for all your contributions to the culture. This is that we talk about just pop culture in general on the show. And there's some people who help move that needle and you've done it multiple times. So as a fan, I've just got to thank you for doing all that. Well, wow. That, 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 that means a lot to me, man. I really appreciate it. I really, really do. And, I, and again, thank you for taking the time to read the book. It, it means a lot to me. It really does. Hey, not at all. And I'm going to finish my book. I'm going to mail it straight to you. Some of it's going to be handwritten. Really? It's not going to be spell-checked, but I want you to get the, the rawest copy, of course. So I know you'll return the favor. <laughs> Absolutely I will, brother. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, unless you've got, like, some incredible, salacious Troy Duffy story or something, uh, I'll let you go and get back to your day. <laughs> I got I got nothing that salacious, nothing at all. All right, all right, good, good. You guys uh, keep getting along, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold you to this uh, Boondock Saints 3. All right, man. All right, man. I hope to talk to you again. Anytime you write another book, please send me a copy. I, w I would love to check it out. I certainly will. I really appreciate it. Thank you, man. You got it. Sean Patrick Flannery, everybody. Have a good one, man. You too. Take care.
Kellogg's Mini Wheat Cereal. You can get a free Indiana Jones Adventure Spoon that lights up. There's three to collect. You can get one free in specially marked boxes of Kellogg's Mini Wheats. Wow. That's the, a good one, yeah. I the think... light up spoon promo. Right. I don't. Was, was that a heroin reference? <laughs> of, of flashing spoon? The gold. The, the like light up spoon? Light up right. spoon? That really seems. Yeah. No, it wasn't that nefarious. It was just. Uh, this was a co- more recent, I guess, commercial from the Crystal Skull. So, the, well, you know, you can, you know, if you put the crystal skulls together, they light up. The crystal, oh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. so it's like a, like the spoon. You have to like touch tips, a little. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's like, the, with the spoon. like the crystal. Like, like, like the Navi. <laughs> yeah, that's what you do. So like, okay. Maybe uh, it was the, yeah, the crystal, it was. crystal mess. Crystal There's no crystal meth. It's okay. Maybe it is a little crystal methy. I don't know. <laughs> I actually like the movie, but that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking oh, about good. Don't the, the young fridge. Indiana don't Jones. The that's, yes, right. that's right, Sean Patrick Flannery. Everybody. Yeah. Uh, great interview. Had a great time. Uh, he's just a, a clever, urbane man who was apparently <laughs> talented enough to write that damn book. And again, yeah. um, again, 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 Shay, I've told you this on air, off air. Great interview. You, you this know guy. how to talk to oh, people. That was a good Johnny, one. You're such a good fluffer. And, and again, a little salty in a good way, if that makes sense. Because you're like, you son of a bitch. I'll tell you. No, but honestly, he seems like far too talented. He's one of these guys. And like, even if you get through all his artistic stuff, he's like a fucking black belt karate. He's always Shut got up. another way he's to just belt. one-up you. Look it up. Google <laughs> Sean Patrick Flannery. Black belt. I just love Shay's yeah. face just that obviously he can't say it, but he really uh look it up asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, that that's basically the face that says if I could I would roundhouse you. Yeah. I know. I am like, just not I'm that gonna, flexible. I just I'm just I just don't in feel my like old it. Age. Yeah. I'm glad we don't You're right a though. He's got studio. um he's he, yeah. he this is, book aside, yeah. he's fucking Indiana Jones. Indiana he Jones spent more time playing Indiana Jones. Than Harrison Ford. I know you're right. You're which at, I you're think was right. yeah. Pablo Hidalgo's entire point. Yeah, it's that it's that we have seen this before. You know, like this is this is something that has um, major characters have been recasted, and it's even happened to Harrison Ford before. Yeah. And I don't even know if recast is the right word. Let's just I mean we're going to keep using recasted, but it's not like we replace Harrison Ford. Right. Yes. It's just that this is a new story of yeah. Indiana Jones yes. and this, we need someone to TV to embody show was that. called the young Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones which was there was right? also another actor that played an even younger Indiana Jones and there was an older actor that played an old Indiana Jones in the very same show. Yeah. So you got even if people aren't aware of it, there's four Indiana Jones already. And yeah. then let's throw in Jack Ryan. Fuck you, John Krasinski. <laughs> How dare you play Jack Ryan? You're right. And it was also played before Harrison Ford by, by Alec Baldwin. Baldwin. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, Ben Affleck yeah. also ben played, Affleck played him. Yeah. yeah. Not so, by Jack Ryan. <laughs> so this is this well, has been see, done But before. again, I don't want to hammer this too much, but <laughs> nobody ever <laughs> said that's now. my Jack Ryan. It happened too often, too easily. Alec Baldwin played him once. You don't even think of those like as the Jack Ryan Chronicles. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> yeah, but Sean Patrick Flannery like totally nailed Indiana Jones. Oh, like he, so he just he just he it he embodied that character so much 
And that without doing a Harrison Ford impression. Yeah, there wasn't there wasn't a need to because Indiana Jones is such a um, he's such a a layered and wonderful character that you got to just have a talented, you know. It helps if they're good looking, you know, whatever, you know. But not about on the it's going to help you, you know. I think you have but to hit then, a few notes. You have to hit a few notes that are central to the character. Okay. You hit this note, that note. Okay, we'll believe. Uh, you're what do you Jones. think those 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 notes are to oh, hit yeah, Indiana Jones? Because I bet you don't know. We just it's one of those I know when I see it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but can you That's name a couple? I would feel right. Um, cockiness. Do you think, do you think Indiana Jones? Sure, but they're so such a. Such a spectrum of cockiness. I know. I know what you need. You need to be highly, highly educated and knowledgeable to be Indiana Jones. Yes. You have to know about the history. You have to have an appreciation and love for the history. Uh, right? you, have to, you have to be a... It seemed know, more like his father kind of coldly beat it into him. Whatever. In whatever got him there. Different. Yeah. You don't need the love. You just need the... Uh, basically misdirected father. Well, you know what? It's complex. actually it's funny that you even bring that up because um, a and I have not I have not wikied <laughs> Indiana Jones Chronicles. I'm going based off of my recollection of the series and then my subsequent purchases of you know the VHSs and all this other stuff. Um, but my recollection of the original airing of the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles was that there was two actors that played, I'm sorry, there was three actors that played Indiana Jones. Sean Patrick Flannery played him like in his teens, like his very, like 20s, very, yeah. Like not, I don't think he ever got to his 20s. Uh, I don't he was think in so. war, though. So I know, like, but I think he was young for war. River Phoenix. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, River yeah. River, I think well, River and the... Sean Patrick Flannery's, oh, they overlap. Well, that was the yeah. impetus yeah. of it. The, the opening of Last Crusade when we had River Phoenix, actually River Phoenix was offered the role of it, but he didn't want to do TV. So enter Sean Patrick Flannery. And, and, yeah. and then he nailed it. And yeah. look who eventually got to talk to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. One of them made it out alive. And someone did, um, <laughs> but and so, but like, and so, and then there was a young actor that played him when he was like eight or nine. Um, and then now th- there was an old actor that played Indiana Jones, and he had an eye patch. He he wore the fedora, and the whole premise of this old actor. And I'm sorry, I did not wiki anything. I don't know any of their names. But, okay, we um, don't do show prep. Here, it it so. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but the whole premise of the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles was that Indiana Jones, the old version with the eye patch, was like walking around a museum looking at artifacts, and then like a museum docent or a patron would walk up to him and say, "Hey, that's kind of cool," and then Indiana Jones would tell them the story mm-hmm. of that artifact, and then it would. Either eventually go, devolve it would go into back him just senilely pointing at it and yelling, "It belongs here! It belongs <laughs> here!" But it holds true to the Indiana Jones character. These belong in a museum. His whole life's work is to put those artifacts in the museum, and one day he'll survive all of this, and he'll be able to point to it and said, "I." Brought it and also it was modern and it's got a context. story. Yeah. It was modern context because the show took place in the nineties, and also the flash forward with India as a very old man was in the nineties. Right, and actually Harrison Ford did portray his older self You're in right. one episode. You're right. That he was in season through. two, I believe, or maybe season three or season two. Right, with the yeah. So and... like 
first cousin twice removed recast in, in his own role. In his right. own role. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh so the he meta took the job. He took the job from the, the guy that meta. <laughs> that well, and I, I actually remember. Um, I remember when this all happened because the a few years before Indiana Jones had been placed in the Smithsonian. And oh, the jacket and the hat. And the hat. Yeah. And Harrison the Ford. And the treatment. Yeah. And Harrison Ford made a big deal about this is the last time he'll put on the hat. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, he ends up doing, a, you know, 10 years later or a few years later. Unless you get that up, blockbuster Shia LaBeouf on board. <laughs> well, and then he ends up, no, no, but even before that happened, he ends up putting it on again to kind of cameo in his own character in this season because. This show was so expensive that it wasn't making any money for ABC. And George Lucas was the producer and everything of this. Like, he was highly involved in this. Oh, do you need another check? I could write another check. (laughs) No problem. It had THX. It had Lucasfilm backing. It had all of that. Yeah. Fuck you, Game of Thrones! Like this, they were putting money into this. Well, it was, but it, it didn't. I don't think a network had it though. It was like no, it was on ABC. Yeah, it was on ABC. It was. It was on ABC. But it's too way too expensive. And this yeah, was. It, it was just. It was really expensive, and so it needed a little boost. And so I don't know. Maybe George Lucas called in a favor, but Harrison Ford ended up doing like the season, the season two, you know, first episode where. He took the place of the old Indiana Jones, and I, I remember this episode, and I have not seen it since the 90s, but I remember the episode. There was – they were, like, trapped in, like, a ski lodge, like in a ski cabin or something, and Indiana Jones is uh, – Harrison Ford's Indiana Jones was with this other character. I don't remember him at all. His name was Mr. Round. But, um, you know, it wasn't Short Round. But, like, there were they were, like, stuck, like, like in this, like, cabin or whatever, and there's, like, a saxophone there. I think it was a saxophone. And then Harrison Ford starts to kind of fiddle with it, and then they break into the story of when the young Indiana Jones, Sean Patrick Flannery, is... Somehow involved with jazz. <laughs> so, yeah. Somehow yeah, brought yeah, jazz yeah. to America. Yeah, so, so he made yeah, so he made jazz popular. That's yeah, another yeah, thing yeah. We, uh, so, we, we take away but that's from. What uh, happen. But you know, and um, th- th- this was another key part about the Young Indian Jones Chronicles and George Lucas's kind of um, driving principle behind this series was that. A kid watching the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles is going to learn something about jazz right. music or, or about history, history or about yeah, all this other stuff. Exactly. And the episode and the I watched. the more you know. Right. Yep. Doom, 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 doom. The episode Ooh, I watched. That's Pavlovian. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's hardwired. <laughs> all right. On, on Amazon Prime. Um, again, watch the episode. He was, uh, he got a note from his buddy, Lawrence of Arabia. To come and help out during World War One, he's assigned to this place, yep. that place. Anyway, um, I want to uh, kind of dwell into the ins and outs of the episode. But there was two actors that stood out to me during this episode. One was the evil German, played by Daniel Craig. Oh, shut up! A future. Oh. I don't remember Bond. that. And they had a big fist fight uh, battle scene at the end, just kicked the shit out of each other. And the love interest was a Catherine very young Jones. I remember Jones, her being in it. Who was a belly dancer oh, and gosh, just, um, you know, undercover, uh, rode with Indy, uh, turned out to be an undercover spy because every hot chick in Indy was also an undercover spy. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, oh, wait. If I remember a key scene, remember, I have not seen this okay. since the 90s, right. but tell me if this scene was in it. Sure. 
Was there a scene where they're having like coffee or something like on a like outside and they're both just like speaking to each other in different languages? Was that in this one? I don't think it was that one. Okay. No. I, I remember one of um, one of the episodes with one of the ladies, one of the dames. Cause mm-hmm. One of them gals. You know, Sean Patrick Flannery's Indiana Jones, just like Harrison Ford's Indiana Jones. Got through some ladies. Mm-hmm. And that's Saturday awesome. morning cereal. <laughs> the most woke show on Saturday mornings. <laughs> and, um, but, yeah, I remember this one episode where they were going back and forth in different languages just to kind of show each other up. You know, like, oh, I know that language, you know this language, I know that language, you know this language. And you're like, that's the Indiana Jones character. Do you guys mm-hmm. remember in The Last Crusade where he's like, count to count to ten mm-hmm. in Greek, you know? Mm-hmm. You know? Right, yeah. It, yeah. Which it really seemed like he wanted to share a moment with his dad. And they said, oh, pack it out, count to ten in Greek. Don't yeah. he show his hand on his lap like a Bond villain. Yeah. <laughs> Or it's like so, uh, Mr. Not well, from, uh, but yeah, and then it pays Gadget. off later on when he's like, oh, but the first letter in uh, God is Hebrew. In Hebrew. Right. Yeah, you're right. So no. it's basically just, Hebrew. It, it justifies keeping your child at arm's length. For some yeah. reason. Listen I'm, to your father, kids. I'm yeah. Henry Jones, and I have a... And have an accent. And, uh, <laughs> I was born and raised in the Sacramento oh. area in California. <laughs> and also... I will be on a uh, uh, Russian uh, uh, submarine with Jack Ryan one day. <laughs> also, also played by Harrison Ford. <laughs> and I will, I will one day play James Bond. Um, oh, so, the connections. Oh, my God. I know. It's crazy. So the the actual show here, I mean, it was really revolutionary at the time. Um, it was really well made. And it was actually the first – it might be officially the first – where they started using CGI in the productions. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of the scenes, it was one of the World War II, uh, I'm sorry, one of the World War I scenes where they just needed a whole bunch of soldiers. And so they CGI'd a bunch of soldiers. And I remember from, just I think it was. like needing some more extras. I, I don't know. It was seems much, unrealistic well, for that to be the first CGI shot. This is, I don't know if it was the, I think it was the first. Because I remember on, I think it was the Phantom Menace um, making of the Phantom Menace in 1999. Uh. And they were talking about all the droids. And then I think it was in the making of on the Phantom Menace VHS or DVD or whatever, where. Um, the producer of The Phantom Menace, Richard... Rick McCallum. Rick McCallum was also the producer on The Young Indiana Jones. And he was showing pictures of The Young Indiana Jones scenes with all those soldiers that were CGI'd next to the all the droid army. To be fair, so, it was a bunch of stormtroopers and young Indiana Jones. It really didn't fit well. Actually, if you look really close. So they knew where their bread was buttered. Yeah. yeah. So, no, but, actually, you know, but this actually was a revolutionary film. Yeah, and, and it was – but so, one, it was very, very, very revolutionary, and two, it was very, very, very expensive. And so the show, although it was incredibly well-made, came from the heart – well-written, uh, revolutionary, all these things had was well-acted by Sean Patrick Flannery and other people that would play Indiana Jones. It was all these things, but it did not last very long. Ahead of its time. Ahead of its time in put, so many ways. Put it on um, Amazon Now or Netflix Now. Oh, it's on, it on Now. Somewhere. I mean, if they filmed it now. 
It would you know hold. hold up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, you I mean, mean like if you released it, it now, or it if would it, still... it was filmed now, if it came out today, rather if it than had today's you know, twenty, you know, sorry, goddamn it, twenty years ago, um, yeah, it'd be it'd be sustainable. It broke underneath its own budget. Also, there was only four networks at the time. Cable TV wasn't doing shit. Um, nothing, not, not, yeah, even, nothing original, even, really. Even yeah. Fox was barely a blip on yeah. the map. So, and it was unlike at, what Friday. I think they ended up kind of moving it around a lot too. Yeah, it you was. Yeah, it yeah was, so, and um, I believe anyway. it was on just to give you guys all a little bit of an idea of when it was on the air. Um, so, all of us in this room were probably in our sophomore to junior year of high school around that time. Um, and then I believe Freaks and Geeks was also on the air at that time. It was so, on at the same time as yeah. Freaks and Geeks. Not at the same time, but I mean, it was the same season. Not the same time Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I think it was the same era. Yeah, I think I it was the same era. Being like early middle school. I don't think so. I think it was That's around Freaks and Geeks. I just, I'm kind no, of, like, yeah. no. Uh, uh, young Indiana Jones? Young Indiana Jones. No, it wasn't, I'm pretty sure it was in high school. It was in the 90s, yeah. It was the mid to late 90s. We were in high school in 91, 92. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's I mean, what it you was. Guys huh? were. I'm a super hip millennial. What are you guys talking yeah, about? Yeah, you're right. Like <laughs> but so, but oh. this, this, Johnny this Hatch's show generation was... Shut up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't know my life. Look at my, look at my bow tie, motherfucker. Wait, where'd he go? Bow tie. So this, this, uh, this show was really quite revolutionary. Johnny, Johnny bow um, what they call me. <laughs> now, Johnny Hack. You did it's some Johnny research Bowtie on this. Now. You did some research on this show. Um, my recollection of it, yes. because oh, I yes, 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 I yes. bought in the early or the late nineties or early two thousands. I went into a Sam Goody. Marky went to like Circuit City. Okay, Sam Goody and Circuit City on the clearance rack was all these oh, VHS. Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. You got them all. And I bought them all. And now I got them on clearance, and they had rebate certificates in them where if you bought so many, they would send you a check. I actually made money (laughs) buying (laughs) all of these VHSs. I'm not kidding. Um, It was like 20 bucks, but it was still – I profited from from getting these things. Um, And so um, I had the whole series. I I still actually – it's the only VHS that I still have. I still have a VCR, (laughs) and it's only to play – this stuff. I haven't played it in 20 years, probably. I still have it. But um, I have all the VHS oh, that were really. You're going to want to run down to Blockbuster and get yourself one of those head cleaners. Mm-hmm. I should, for the, probably. For the VCR. I, yeah. um, I, I used to work at a Blockbuster, by the <laughs> way. So if, you need me, if you need me to repair any of them, I could help you. All right, cool. A little pencil? Oh, yeah. No, no um, I know how to bust that shit up. And so, I think I know your question. What I remember, though, is I remember the, sh- I remember the original airing of the show where it would have the format of the old man in the museum and then he would tell the story about the artifact. In the VHS, none of that. And it also, there was like, you would see the young, young Indiana Jones played by a different actor and then episode. you would see, and then you would see the Sean Patrick Flannery, right. older young Indiana Jones. And in the VHS ones, it was just all Sean Patrick Flannery. Yeah, what they're doing now on Amazon is they're taking them and they're not just, um, you know, your 45-minute, Long uh-huh. episodes for hour-long TV. They're making yeah. it uh, uh, about a buck twenty, like hour twenty minutes. So like and a four, four episode. They would do two three. or three. Yeah, and they, well, they're taking three out episode footage. The, the, they took deleted footage oh. that didn't make it to TV, 
And so they're making them almost like an like hour, 20 minute movies. little movies. Yeah. Yeah. And they took out the um, epilogue or prologues with old indie. See, I don't like that. So though. it's just like if this was a, uh, an old indie episode or a Sean Pen- Patrick Fillion episode, that's all you got. Mm, I so see. they took out a lot of that uh, other shit. And it starts actually um, with like the logo. It starts off like an. Fucking Indiana Jones film, like make it like a mountain, movie. and it yeah. kind of pans down. Yeah, kind of so they kind of make the a paramount. Mount. Yeah, the paramount logo. mountain. Yeah, so they're kind of making it like, and then it zooms in, and it kind of ends like it. So they're making them into like little hour and twenty minute movies, which is kind of dope. But I get what you're saying about the TV version, but I like these versions better, even though it gets a little slow in some mm-hmm. episodes because they're throwing in some extra footage and shit, but. Man, it just has all the. It just hits all the notes. Well, I, um, but no, I, no whip or anything really. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't get that until the River Phoenix right. era, which I, I think know, is a little bit before. Yeah, but I mean, I'm sorry, it's a little bit after Sean Patrick Flannery. But some of it's a little ham-fisted. Yeah. Like again, the episode with like he he meets uh, hangs out with um, Lawrence of Arabia. He's like, hey. You know, they're calling you Lawrence of Arabia in America. He goes, like, oh, I don't want to hear that. I'm just doing my thing. It's really just kind of hitting him in the yeah. chops about the history. But other than that, yeah, I mean, but other you know, than but having Hitler sign your little uh, grail book, I mean, that's that was, little... again, that was the That was the last crusade. <laughs> I know, but yeah, that's yeah. a little on the nose, too. But yeah. anyway. Well, um, there, there's this uh, – um, do you guys remember the show called Voyagers when you were a kid? It was like this – this guy was kind of dressed kind of piratey <laughs> and he had this, anyway, there was like this like pocket watch where they would hit oh, it. Oh yeah. And yeah. uh punky Brewster's little brother. Yeah. With the really the long curly kid. hair. Yeah. 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 Would, it was the early quantum leap where they yeah. kept going to famous. Exactly. They eras. would like go to different eras. I remember yeah. one of them were the inventor with a pocket watch time I'm, machine. I'm, you never, don't remember this? I'm well, not at all. So yeah. we were really young when the show came out. Punky. It was punky. <laughs> so, so we were we were really oh, young when this Henry. we were really young when this when the show came out. But um, I loved it when I was a kid because I was a, even when I was a little kid. Even, and now I loved history. I loved learning about the old stuff. I loved I loved all that stuff. And so the the, the show Voyager would have this kid and this and I don't I don't think it was his dad, but just this like this no, like dude. It was like a. Uh, you know, a Marty McFly. Yeah, it was like a Marty McFly thing where they would they would hop this. around, and he, I think, was an inventor. And yeah, he had he invented like a a time, time machine, machine crystal that he picked up, and it ended up in his great grandfather's watch. Or something. I don't know, but they kept going to the old west and Thomas Edison, time right? And, and they like would fucking rip off French the Revolution. Well, or something. and see, and that's it. Is that? And I can't prove if it was before or after any of this, but no, it's, the young was, Indiana uh, there Jones was something going around Hollywood <laughs> at the time. The young this, time it travel was, kid. It was put it on it the. It was way before. It was way before. But the one thing that the young Indiana Jones kind of gave me and i think it's the opportunity to give all of the young listeners out there is that it allows you to kind of because indiana jones met edison Mm. he met charles de gaulle he met lawrence of arabia he met um pancho villa and these these are the guys i remember from the the show producer said they want to make it like going to the museum (laughs) correct You're right. He and met so, Adolf Hitler. He met Adolf Hitler, but that was in the right. that was in the movie. Can't believe he high fived um, in that movie. That was weird. <laughs> I think that was a departure. From, so uh, I think so it was when this he was... caressed his cheek when he was walking away. It really made me uncomfortable. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, but love your work. that was the whole thing. Was 
that that was the whole thing was that it it basic it it do, it did allow you to kind of learn about these different characters yeah, and yeah. that was a real interesting part yeah. yeah and that was a huge part of it cuz it was for kids i mean called the young indiana jones chronicles mm-hmm. yeah. and did they do a lot of books too did they do um I'm novels sure they, i didn't i think they did novels i still yeah. don't know how to read well, if you do, yeah. if you don't if you don't take johnny x word for it Visit your local library. <laughs> Please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe some old man will tell you some stories. Um, I'm not a yeah. socialist. I don't go to libraries. <laughs> um, but the, uh, yeah, the, I mean, you know, there's one to grow on, et cetera, so forth. But uh, networks were going almost overboard between the 80s and 90s trying to shove educational I think stuff. We did a, a which was, it almost became its own formula. Didn't we do a show on, on kind of like the more you know type of, type yeah, of shit ones? The, yeah, the whole after school same, special yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind, kind of, of vibe. But, but now, but they were able to, and because it does date back to, I can't believe you pulled that reference out of your ass, Marquis. Which one, Voyager? Voyager? Yeah, yeah. I haven't thought about that show in decades. That's yeah, one that I remember. I do yeah. remember it. Yeah, it was so good. And so it, it was And it just, was like early Quantum Leap, which is yep. just another form. And of I enjoyed where they would Quantum go, Leap, too. And they would teach you things about, yeah. I guess, the Vietnam War and also Sam's older brother. Yep, who was in the Vietnam War. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but again, they covered the Vietnam War. Yeah, yeah, and so yes, you would you would you would be able to learn about these events by having a kind of a first person perspective of the events. Yeah, and, and sometimes and they, so they would be obvious social bait, like when he jumped leap back into the body of a black woman who needed an abortion. I, that did happen. It's it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. They're, they're like, you know, let's just go all in yep, on it. Yep. We're going to make this a social message. I know. Because you could, when you reexamine history like that, which is something that also the trailblazing Sean Patrick Flannery uh-huh. was able to do. Well, uh, um, and, now, now just, and I want to talk more about him, and I'm glad we covered I'm, Indiana Jones. To do, yep. uh, but I, let's take a little break, and then we'll come back, uh, and then... We haven't even talked about yeah. any of boondocks in oh, here. Oh, tease, yes. tease, tease. And yes, you saw I was trying to draw as much about Norman Reedus as I could. Out of <laughs> yeah. We're going to get all into that. Let's take a quick break. Uh, come back and join us in just a minute, everybody. All right. agent is on a case of victims of the mob and the hitman think they're on a mission from god anybody you think is evil do you think that's a little weird a little psycho sort of like 7-eleven we're not always doing business we're always open that is nice and the general consensus is they're angels Place where the violent have the power. One lawman doesn't know whether to catch the killers. I believe what they do is necessary. Or join them. The Boondock Saints. Whoa. Uh, watching that trailer, you're like, oh, fuck, that movie was cool. That was the trailer? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think it was the whole movie. If you thought, yeah, you were like, but, uh, uh, are you, wow. You, there you, now, that is uh, especially anybody oh, who so good. could watch a rated R movie in the 90s. Yeah. Boondock Saints, right at the end there, helped kind of define 
that sort of Tarantino. Yeah, it was right it's there. Kind of cap off like, hey, let's celebrate bad guys. Let's righteousness. Let's delve into this yeah. ambiguous morality. Became a real cult uh, yeah. hit. Uh, also, a new, another twist uh, that was the guy who did it. Like literally moved to L.A. from the Midwest, tended bar, wrote a script, shopped it around in in the valley, and ended up getting Harvey Weinstein hooked on it. Started making this movie, got so in-depth, got into a huge fight with Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein straight up like destroyed this yeah, guy's like career. Them. Fucking send yeah. him into ashes. Troy Duffy. Look it up. There's documentaries. Yeah. So he's the really? asshole, right? Wow. So he was the asshole at the time, quote yeah. unquote. I'm not you know, saying he is, but you know, that that's how that shit But yeah, he's out. the one but who kinda now, came off as like the auteur who had no business demanding right. this much how of the powers you? that be. How dare you do this to But the obviously dealing guy. with Weinstein. Yeah. Um, apparently he had not enough to offer anyway. So, yeah, who, just shut this poor guy's career down. And who has down. the last laugh now, probably? Well, I mean, like, well, so, um, Troy Duffy of, still hasn't done that much except for the sequel, like, 15 years later. Which was, still, it was also very Which good. was still very yeah, good. Yeah, I liked it but also, you notice, did not – ended up going straight to video despite the buzz. Yeah. So somebody was still out there still saying, crushing him. this guy's movie will never open in a theater. Mm. Ugh, fuck that, dude. Fuck that fat fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Lots, lots of sins um, under that but guy. Anyway, but anyway. But Sean Patrick Flannery, starring with Norman Reedus, who happens to be one of the most popular actors. American actors <laughs> no, in, I'm sorry. in the I'm business sorry. Who, right who now. Yeah. What, what does he do? This I'm guy not, uh, is in a very... Daryl dies, we all jump ship. Huh. Yeah, I know. Oh, you're right. You're right. right. He, gets, he gets all the under the nerds' underwears in a bunch. I, I got to say, though, <laughs> when we, we did, um, you know, for you listeners at home, all the serialites, um, sometimes your boys do a little uh, movie. We sit here at the studio, the home base, and we yep. watch a movie. And um, even though we've seen it before, we did Boondock Saints. Normally, we chop it up during a movie. We talk some shit. I think this is the quietest we've been when we watched it. We all just kind of It's because it strikes that balance of being over the top, but uh, – it, it it knows enough of itself yeah. that you're just followed along for the story, and right. it's a fun movie. Yeah. Well, there, there's also and they they make a great team, and that's why it became, I think, a cult hit. And I I don't want to get away from the Boondock Saints conversation. We should definitely come back to it in just a second. All right. But the reason why Segway. we watched it, the reason mm-hmm. why we were watching that movie almost a year ago, was because they're in the process of releasing a Boondock Saints series. And we had we were talking to the producers, we were talking to Troy Duffy, yeah. Name. And so really wanted to ask him about Harvey is, Weinstein and before so any was, of this broke, but we didn't so get the chance. This actually informs why we have been sitting on Sean Patrick Flannery's interview for so long. There's because, method behind the madness because people. we had not, we just, we did not well, have obstacles. Behind when, course. when somebody says, "Hey, do you want to interview the young Indiana Jones?" You say yes. yes. 
and we'll figure out what to do with it later. And at that time, we were really busy. We were doing a lot of interviews, and we, yeah. just, we had a full schedule. And I, we said yes, and we took it in, and the interview was fantastic. And nothing's – I mean, it was a great interview, and it was a great guest. Yeah, Everything and we was were awesome. getting to put – we were getting ready to put it out, and then we got word of the Troy Duffy Correct. And so said, and let's then, use them both. And then that, they strung us they along. They strung us along. It fell apart. And I, if you're listening, we'd love to have Troy Duffy, and we were going to do, we're going to yeah, have my a apologies. Time. I don't think yeah, we yeah, were, we're have a good time. we were not mistreated, No, 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 we're not mistreated. We were but caught no, up in the gears of the system. Right. And I think, yeah, I think we were riding this along with Troy, but, um, but yeah, this didn't happen. And yes, we were strung along a little bit, and that's okay. We understand what's going on. Okay. But, however, but we talk about it at happened. the studio bar. We have a studio bar. Yeah, yeah. We stand outside before the show and after. Yep. And we talk about it. And we, we talk, talk about, about it. And we watch this times. movie. And, yes. we, and we watch this movie together just, just in preparation for that a year ago. And we all just fell back in love with this movie yeah. that is like William Defoe is in it. <laughs> Billy Connolly is in it. William Defoe. Off who, Willem. Who, Defoe. Willem, sorry. Both um, of them. He... he <laughs> God, my God! This guy overacts in everything, and it's awesome. By the way, yeah, this is not a this is off, not yeah. negative. Um, he he is very similar to Christopher Walken yes. that way. It's always over the top. Like you know what you're gonna like watch. Like a Walken, Nick, like a Nick Cage, like a Nick Cage. Better in this oh, movie. In this movie, William Defoe is just he's layered on so thick with Willem Defoe. Like he's, he's just, just dripping yeah, he's with, just dripping with, with Willem Dafoe. Like he's yeah. doing this little. He has to put on thing. gloves. Yes, he has so much <laughs> Willem Dafoe. He was almost going to split into two <laughs> Willem yeah. Dafoes during it. It was going to be two Dafoes right. in this movie. Yep. It is so good, and Sean Patrick Flannery nails this. And it, does he have a? Does he have an Irish accent through it? Yeah, he does, they right? both yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, they both yeah. do. Okay, um, Norman Reedus kills it in this, and it's like, what happened to Norman Reedus? Why didn't he blow up after this movie? Why did it take him so long to blow up in something else? Why is it Sean Patrick's friend? Why didn't something he blow up? I don't yeah. know what's going well, on Apparently here, but... because these two guys are hanging out like saving refugees <laughs> and <know>. writing novels <laughs> and all the other shit that these two cool for school guys are doing. And they're so humble and down to earth. You just want and smack them. I know. Right. God. So I would... that, that was my takeaway. None of these guys will ever have to buy a drink around me. You? No, you're buying no, drinks. Yeah. You're buying drinks? Yeah. No, I'm not buying No, they can. Then they probably will buy me a drink because they're so <laughs> fucking likable. I know. They're yeah. so goddamn likable and talented and amazing. But um, All right. So so anyway, back to Boondock Saints. Boondock Saints, that's right. These two guys are, they become this cult hit team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've done, uh, they did a sequel, mm-hmm. like we a talked about, which was more or less blacklisted from movie theaters, and yet he still pulled it off. You kind of have to give credit where credit is sure. due. When Harvey Weinstein is trying to say no, mm-hmm. you just keep fighting for 15 yeah, years cause... and get it straight to video, and you do it anyway. Good for them. And that, that's the um, one thing he doesn't like to hear. And now, doesn't right? uh, doesn't Troy Duffy play like the real crazy dude in Boondock Saints? No, I think that was another friend of theirs. Okay, I think. Like he has like long hair with, with with the beard. That that's that's not Troy Duffy. No, I okay. don't think so. That was actually um, Helen Mirren, uh, very <laughs> versatile actress. Yeah, you know, it was it was a get she could to do have her in that <laughs> role. Anything. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking of David Della Rocco. 
David DeLogo. Yeah, because yeah. I did a little IMDb reading. Oh, <laughs> did. We totally just didn't see a look at your phone right now. Snuck that I, I didn't phone right that. Yeah, yeah. Not at all. I thought you were just playing uh, Candy Crush over there. <laughs> he might still be, actually. I, I did. I think, uh, yeah, I think we lost Marquis to his phone. No, I'm sorry. I'm just checking my Twitter. Is Pablo saying anything right now? I'm not listening to Pablo anymore. This was... The whole, the whole, the whole movie. I, I do remember being, and I, were we in college maybe by then? I don't remember, but uh, yes, I believe we were. I think yeah, we 99. rented that on VHS. Yeah, like like at when the we Hollywood were sharing video. a uh, house. Oh, okay, you're right. With with some other guys yep. in college. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. That's, when, that's that's. I can confirm. That's that. when we watched this movie. That was the burgeoning era of these films, though. Yeah, yeah. Like, right. This like kind with of like Romeo pulp is bleeding yep. and you're. Things to do in Denver while you're dead. Oh, yeah. That was a good one. This was just a great example of those. I I do like this one. Um, I like this one so much because it is kind of comic bookish, like in its violence. And in it's kind of the way that it handles like all the visuals and this this overacting and all and I takes itself exactly as seriously exactly. as it needs to. I don't want overacting to sound like a negative. I'm not at all. William Defoe is one of the greatest actors I've ever seen, period. Um but there's just like this kind of um symphony of acting <laughs> that happens in this movie. Mm-hmm. Everything's over the top and just you're just flooded with it. It was um, yeah, it so was beautifully good. crazy so in beautifully the way it crazy. was. Yeah. And and that's a lot to the director too <sighs> and, the, and the writers. He's a madman. He's a madman. But Defoe yeah. took every piece of scenery, shoot it up and spit it out or shit it out in a great way cuz yeah. he just kind of owned it. But those two guys, man. I and mean, it was almost two, two different movies cuz he's kind of you know, it's cat and mouse the whole time and they barely share any screen time together. Yeah. Um, spoiler, go see the fucking movie, fuck yeah. you. Yeah. But this was like their their movie and those two guys, what a great fucking, fucking duo, kill it. Man. And, you know, like, there's, there is, like, this kind of superhero quality about those two guys because, spoiler alert, they're not going to get killed. Right. It's like you know, like, they're going to yeah. come out of every situation. 18 that guys in. they need to kill? No hey, problem. whatever. <laughs> and they just play it off fucking superb, man. They're, this movie, great this duo. movie's fun. This movie's good. It's like, you know, it's one of those movies that you put on, you Put, you find a laser disc player, and then you find the laser disc, <laughs> and then you put this on a ship, and you send it out so that aliens can find it, and, and they're going to know. Yeah, this is what we're yeah, about. This is, this is what we can do when we get our best people. <laughs> <laughs> our this best is, people. This is what's it. possible. Like you, yeah. you, like you, you, and it's, you and it's a warning Picasso. in case <laughs> other alien species turn right. out to be Italian mafia. That's right. right. And they think they can come take our f- neighborhood. That's right. You put a Picasso, you put in some Chuck and Chuck Berry, and then you put in Boondock Saints, and those aliens are going to know. What, 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 what the world Turn your do. alien ass around and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> hey, one thing I so did... It's a little bit late, but there is a review of yes. Boondock Saints. <laughs> and Sean awesome. Patrick. So thanks for joining us on Hyperbole Corner this <laughs> week. <laughs> we had fun with that one. That though. was a good one. And yeah, I yeah. did like, I know, uh, you know, uh, one thing I really liked again in the interview was to hear that their um, Sean Patrick Flannery and Norman Reedus are still buddies. Yeah, yeah. Still kind like of to hang out. He's like he's yeah. the most totally down to earth guy. And I don't know if I'm just dealing with a gifted actor who makes me believe that that <laughs> obvious cliche trope answer 
is right. real, but it felt so genuine. It did, yeah. So maybe, yeah. Uh, or maybe they know. haven't talked since. It gives you the feels. Maybe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you want them to be BFFs. Like, you want uh, Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari to still be bosom buddies after all these years. Hopefully they are. Of course they are. And you want the Boondock Saints to still be buddies. Of Hopefully they are. They are. Um, I'd like to live in a world where they are. And mm-hmm. I believe yep. I believe anything that motherfucker said during this interview. I'm just like swoon. <laughs> I, I dig it, man. It, yeah, it's a yeah. great interview. He's awesome. a good guy. Yeah, I think black he's, belt uh, in jujitsu. Yep. Novelist, successful actor, screenwriter, uh, just all around guy who's probably going to sleep with your mom. <laughs> and that's <laughs> probably about yeah. enough of this. Yeah. Enough kissing his ass. Enough of this. Yeah. He has enough of that. Probably literally, too. He's probably got some down broads that would figure that out. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My he mom, probably, you could yeah. have her, but stay for my wife. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the line, Sean Patrick Flannery. All right. That's enough of this, All right. everybody. And now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Oh, this is enough of this.